in rebuking Peter when Peter departed from the Gentiles when the Jews showed up for the feast. He says in the 20th verse, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Understanding context, we have to go back up and let's start with the 16th verse, where it says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Now, this, this has far-reaching implications, not just following the law of circumcision, following the law of the different various forms of cleansing that the Jews had to go through in order just to present themselves before the priest, present themselves in the congregation to be clean. This has, this really goes deeper into a day-to-day walk. Being justified by works means you are declaring yourself righteous because of the things that you have done. And that's what's going on here as most base form in the Galatian church. Now there is justification by what we have done, which is by works, and there is justification by faith, imputed righteousness, which comes which is unto and upon them that believe. Now, being crucified with Christ has not been physically, but we have been spiritually crucified with him, being made dead unto the law, dead unto the penalties of the law, dead unto the hold of the, of the ceremonial law, dead unto all of its curses, for Christ has borne the curse upon the tree. Paul reminds the Galatians, if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, and therefore Christ is minister of sin. God forbid, for I, if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. Now the Galatians had come out. They had believed. They had received the word. Now they were going to go back. Paul warns them that if they are to go back to the things that they had once destroyed and make themselves transgressors. For I, through the law, am dead under the law, that I might live under God. This applies to all the Gentile churches especially, being dead to the law. If we are not dead to the law, we can't assemble as a congregation. There's only one place, if the law is still applicable, there's only one place where we may go and truly worship. And it hasn't, it hasn't stood since 70 AD. There's not a priesthood. An offering can't be made. The morning offering, the evening offering, the yearly Passover, the Feast of Tabernacles, Pentecost, none of those. None of those have continued since the Romans sacked Jerusalem. Now there, there are some folks that would like to bring that back in. But the fact is, brethren, we are dead to the law because we are crucified with Christ. That ceremonial law, law of offering, law of sacrifices, the law of cleansing, it has no hold on us. The spiritual union exists between us and Christ and that we have been added unto the church. Who adds us to the church with God? I don't add anybody to the church. I am a minister and I am authorized to administer baptism. I am authorized to preach the gospel. I am authorized to administer the suffering. That's it. I am not 
I am not the one who gives grace. I am not the one who works the work. I am not the one who has poured out His Spirit upon His people. That is solely God and God alone. Now we are crucified unto the law. We are also crucified unto sin. Let's go back to Romans. Romans chapter 6. We go to Romans 6. And we talk about being crucified in the Spirit. Well, there we have to make a distinction between what is spiritual and not. I'll get to that later, but I want to point out something here that Paul points out in Romans 6. Following on verse 21 of 5, where he says, So my grace reigns through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. He, he anticipates the question that the adversary would stir up, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Because where, where sin abounded, grace is more abound. He says, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? You, this could be a controversial topic, but I don't think it ought to be. It's very plain. Yeah, a person comes in and they, they might attend church for years, and then one day the Spirit wants to work. And they, they come to believe, and, and they come before the church, and what do they do? They confess. Jesus Christ before the congregation. They confess him publicly. Well, what's baptism but a symbol? Put it very plainly, it's putting money where your mouth is. They've tossed it, now they're going to walk it, and they're going to follow his example by going down into the water. Christ was baptized when he went to John in the desert in Jordan, and John said, I have need to be baptized as thee. The Lord responded, Suffer it, be so for it. We must fulfill all righteousness. Now our Lord wasn't saved by baptism. How can the Savior be saved by something? He Himself is the author and finisher of our faith. And like manner, we ought to follow Him in every example that He gave us. And the first example He gave all those that believe is baptism. Being baptized into His death. How are we baptized into His death? When we go down, we're buried with Him. When we come up, or raised with him in a spiritual sense. This isn't the resurrection that is so much written about in Paul's in multitude of Paul's letters. But this is a spiritual it's a spiritual symbol that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. And see now the field starts to get more narrow. First we started talking about being crucified with Christ some might say, well, that's just everybody that believes. Well, how do we know somebody believes? Anybody going up and down the road says, well, I believe. But have they proven it? What did James say? Show me your works without your faith. And I'll show you my, or I'll show, show, you, show me your faith without your works. I'll show you my faith by my works. And the field starts getting narrower and narrower. Crucified with Christ. Baptized with Christ. Dead with Christ. Raised with Christ. This is a continuing theme in several letters here in the New Testament that Paul talks about is a union with Christ with her to suffer. 
and we observe a union with Christ. The wine doesn't physically become blood. The bread doesn't physically become flesh. But we symbolize that we must continually partake of his flesh and partake of his blood, that he is the source of all of our sufficiency, that without him we can do nothing. And in the same manner, just as he sucks with his disciples, we believe he comes and he has fellowship with us. He said, we're in two or more gathered together in my name. There am I in the midst of them. Two. That's the church. Two. You know, we, we had a, we had a church meeting years ago for a brother and sister at Aberdeen. They were husband and wife. And they were going back to the home country. And there in Aberdeen, they constituted those two as a church. Independent of Aberdeen, go back to their home country and witness. And as far as I know, that church has grown and membership since Now we are dead to the law. We are also crucified with him, with him under sin. Paul continues his argument with the Romans here in chapter 6, reminding him that if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we should also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing that knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin goes back to the cross yet again. There where the law was crucified, and we crucified unto the law with Christ, our old body of death, that is, the domain, the dominion of sin, and the reign of sin over us, was crucified there at the cross. And we are to go back to the cross continually, looking unto Jesus and his sufferings, in a faithful remembrance that we have been crucified with him. And as such, we ought to live like him to grow in ever-increasing fellowship with him. He that is dead is freed from sin. Now, we be dead with Christ, we believe that we can also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from, dead, from the dead, died no more, death has no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he lived, he died under sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is something that we ought to meditate on. I ought to meditate on it more myself. So Paul exhorts the Roman brethren here, reckon yourself, count yourself, think yourself, meditate upon this, reckon yourself dead unto sin and alive unto God. How? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Not through anything that you have done. Not because you made such and such donation to such and such foundation or made enough contributions to the church. Not because you have come up and said, well, I've done this and that. But because Christ paid the penalty for sin, for our sin. Now, he's not lying to everybody out there. This letter applies to the believers, to those who are the church. Because go back and see who's writing the book to Law be alone. Call the law of God. Call to be saved. And, and the word saint means what? Sanctified one. One who is set out, separated. That's what a real saint is. It's not someone who's been canonized by some person or a group of people. If that's what it takes, then we ought to just start a board and start going around canonizing people. We start to make a lot of money that way. Some people do. Interesting thoughts, though, ain't it? But the word saint really means sanctified one. Separate. Let not sin 
reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in, in the lust thereof, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. Now, the word yield here means present. I can't remember what Greek word it's taken from, but the word means present. Present yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Brethren, we ought to walk daily in the spiritual understanding. How important is it for us all to understand that we are crucified with Christ? The far-reaching implications it has upon this church. The very fact that we are crucified under sin. I have sin I struggle with. We all have sin we struggle with. Indian news a little bit. 
writing in his letter, second letter to Timothy, says if we deny him, he will deny us. If we suffer with him, we will reign with him. We are crucified with him the law, we are crucified under sin, we are crucified under the world. Now these things have, there's a practical aspect of this, that's the spiritual side of it. And the practical aspect, I'd like to turn to the book, to the 8th chapter of Romans. The last two examples I'll point out in closing. Paul states in the ninth verse, You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. If Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of life. <coughs> now, I open with the 20th verse of Galatians 2, and there Paul says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Not I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The life he lives, Christ lives in me. He wrote to the Romans, You're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is not of his. He's using the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Christ interchangeably here. Christ and God are one. Christ is very, Christ is the Son of God. He is the as far as the triune God is concerned, he is the Son. The Father, Son, and Holy Devil. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit of life is called the Christ. We examine here that we are crucified with him, we are crucified with him, body of flesh being put to death, the Spirit of God dwelling in us. What does that really mean? Some, some denominations profess that to have the Spirit, you've got to come up and speak in tongues and so on and so forth. When they speak in tongues, if you listen, you'll hear syllables repeated over and over and over and over. That's not a wonder. And we have to ask ourselves, what does it mean from a practical standpoint to have the Spirit of God? Is there a feeling? Well, we're, we're taught not to trust our hearts. Jeremiah says that the heart is wicked and deceitful and deceitful and desperately wicked. Who doesn't know? The heart of man. In today's culture, we're told to trust in the heart. Back then, the prophet Christ finally wrote down, the heart is deceitful, it's desperately wicked. So we have to go back to Scripture to understand what it means to walk in the Spirit, what it means to bear the fruit of the Spirit. If the Spirit dwells in us, we will be bearing the fruit of the Spirit. Paul wrote to the Philippians, and he says in Philippians 3, verse, I believe it's verse 13, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which works in you both the will and the degree of his own good pleasure. What is our daily worship of God? Is it not in how we walk? It's not just the singing and the sacrifices that we give him in songs and songs of praise, but it's also in how we walk, bearing forth the fruit of the Spirit, a living testimony that we are indeed crucified with Christ. And if you go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, we, we're given one of the examples where Paul lists out the fruit of the Spirit. And the first word he uses is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Agape. Self-sacrifice and love. Looking out for the betterment of our brothers and sisters above ourselves. Love for the Word of God. Love for God. And then there's joy and peace and long-suffering 
I'm really struggling with all this stuff, I'll be honest with you. Gentleness, goodness, faith, joy. Turn the news on, and I, I'll turn the news on, and I'll, I don't see too much to be happy about. Not a lot of joy there. But we're exhorted to have joy. Why? No, we sung, we sung the song this morning, Brother Herman. You got it here, you pointed it out. But he reigns. He rules over the wind, waves of the ocean. That made me think about when the apostles were in the boat on the sea. Christ was in the hole. He was asleep. They came down and said, Master, they, they were fearing for the life. They said, we're about to die. Got up, went out, speech to the Now that's the power of God. You go back and read what the prophets did. Elijah, some folks will say, well, Elijah did that. Well, not really. Elijah prayed. He prayed. For example, a fire coming down and devouring those soldiers that came out against him. Prayed for it. For example of the widow's son being raised from death. He prayed for it. For Jesus Christ, he stated it. He came to the tomb of Lazarus. He said, Lazarus, come forth. Here comes Lazarus. He said, peace be still. And the winds and waves and the imminent danger, calm. Now that's the God we work That is the sovereign God. Why shouldn't we be a people who are ever filled with joy, knowing that Jesus Christ has died for us, knowing that he has been raised by the power of God and is set at the right hand of the form of God and he's daily making intercession for us. What a wondrous privilege that is, that he is able to save them to the uttermost who come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Glory to God, and we ought to be filled with joy and peace, knowing that there is nothing, nothing can separate us from that love which exists between God and His people. God loves His people so much that He gave His only begotten Son. We are created by God, but He was begotten by God. He was begotten by the Father. He was with the Word in the beginning. He was the Word in the beginning. And he was with God in the beginning. I, I'm really getting my quotes messed up. I apologize for that. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who was the Word but Jesus Christ, the pre-incarnate Christ. All things were made by him, and there was not anything made that was not made by See, I'm going to try. 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 All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. Life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness, darkness comprehended it not. Then the 14th verse it says, The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. He held his glory, the glory of the only God. Talk about the love of God towards us. We're not pressed yet, but I fully believe that there will be a persecution in this country on the Lord's church. The Apostle Paul exhorted. The Ephesians, not the Ephesians, but on the first trip back to Antioch to see is they exhorted. He and Silas exhorted. Through much tribulation. We must journey through much tribulation before we enter into the kingdom of God. You look at Facebook's a marvelous thing that allows us to communicate with different brothers and sisters and share <coughs> their grief and their glories. You look at how many people are suffering. Not that we pray for healing, but they may never be physically healed, but yet they know God reigns. All things work together for good. 
presenting his blood as full payment for our sins, for all that we have done, and making intercession for every blessing that, that we need and every sin we have committed. God is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. And yet we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. This is the privilege that I wanted to close out with. That he, that he stands and makes intercession for us. Being fully confident that our high priest is there, having faith in him and his ability and the fact that he has paid for all of our sins and the fact that we are complete in him. The apostle writes, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I just being crucified with Christ is a very important concept we must understand and embrace that we are one with him that we have fellowship with him that he makes intercession for us that we by him live breathe and walk and bear the fruit of the spirit and that we ought to continually look unto him who is the author and finisher of our faith and in the time of need because of him we have access unto the throne of grace. That's an access which no other religion in the world has. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come unto the Father but by me. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He has opened up the door. He is the door. It's very important to miss it. That veil of the temple was lit and he died. Because the way into the holiest of all was laid upon so, being crucified with him, I pray that he will help us in our daily walk. Meditate upon these things. Drive to glorify his name and everything that he has done.